Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max. And listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. From WBEZ Chicago, this is Nerdette. I'm Greta Johnson. We did it. We made it to another weekend. Coming up, I talk with Grace Bonnie about her lovely new book, Collective Wisdom. There's just no one way to do something. There's just lots of different ways. And I think the key is to surround yourself with people who remind you that you are enough exactly as you are. But first, let's take a minute to talk about what people have been talking about this week. With us today are two excellent panelists. We have Travel Anderson. They're an entertainment journalist. Travel, hello. Hi, glad to be back. Thank you. And Jarrett Hill, he's a journalist and writer. Jarrett and Travel together host the Fanti podcast. Hey, Jarrett. Hey there. Thanks for having us back. Oh, delighted to have you. Okay, so as usual, a lot of COVID news this week. The CDC has changed its recommendation saying that all adults should get a booster shot. The FDA is close to approving the Pfizer booster for 16 and 17 year olds. And there is a whole new variant. The World Health Organization is calling it a variant of concern. There are still a lot of unknowns about it, including apparently how to pronounce it. A new highly contagious variant, the Omicron variant. It's called the Omicron. Omicron. Omicron strain. The uh, Omicron variant. The Omicron variant of the coronavirus. I really like Omicron. I think my favorite that I've heard about, though, is Omicron. Um, how are how are y'all pronouncing this one? Travel, what do you oh. think? So I'm country, okay? I'm Southern. <laughs> I... <laughs> nervous for whatever this answer is i am what i am and i'm okay with it and so i say omicron because that's what it looks like that is what it looks like it's funny you say that because that actually does kind of speak to like the greek roots which we looked into but jared what do you think okay so full disclosure i have gone out of my way to never have to say <laughs> i think it. that's really smart so i just i've never been really sure i still don't know that i've said it out loud to be quite honest with you you want to try it now and just see how it feels <laughs> not really um i but like I, I i've been like thinking it's like omicron but I'm I'm trying to remember back to college when, like, you know, there are a bunch of folks in Greek organizations. And I'm like, I don't think this is in a part of any of the Divine Nine that were at the school that I was at. Like, I don't know what this thing is called. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, the name of this podcast has the word nerd in the title. Obviously, we had to, like, check in. Uh, I initially had gotten in touch with my Latin professor at the college I went to oh, wow. and to ask her to like record herself saying it and mm. send it over like on her phone. But she didn't have a smartphone. But she was like, try the lady at Tufts. So we got in touch <laughs> with this uh, senior lecturer at classical studies at Tufts. Hold on. Can I can I pause you here? <laughs> yeah, go for it. 
This is so inappropriate because this is not my show. Did you say she did not have a smartphone? She did not have a smartphone. So I emailed this woman at Tufts, this professor, Anne Mahoney, and asked her if she could record herself on her smartphone. And she also did not have a smartphone. Wow. But she was able to record video onto her computer and sent that to us. And we pulled the audio from it. And here is Professor Anne Mahoney pronouncing the name of the new variant. Omicron. Omicron. In classical Greek, the letter was just called U. Later, it comes to be called U-Mikron, meaning little U. Distinguish this from O, later Omega, which is big O in English, Omega. That's kind of cool, right? I'm glad we got the little mini history lesson in there, too. I was just sitting here thinking about how much work goes into making a podcast that no one appreciates. The fact that you had to go through two different <laughs> Latin experts and then get them to record a video of themselves and then send it Thank in. Thank you, Jarrett. I really appreciate I, that. People don't know how much work this is. They just don't know. <laughs> I don't know, though, Jarrett. I do like your tactic. I mean, especially for, like, moving on through the Greek alphabet and who knows what next. Like, to just be like, so how about that new variant? Like, seems like it should work. That That's very you know? effective, Greta. Okay. <laughs> how about the O, huh? <laughs> the little O. Yeah. <laughs> so it's the first week of December, which means the music streaming service Spotify is doing its thing where it tells you what you spent the last year listening to. Uh, Travel, you tweeted about this. What's your take? I I feel like this way every year. I did not know as many people use Spotify that do because I only use it for literally to listen to a singular podcast that is a Spotify exclusive. But like, I have an I have a MacBook, I have an iPhone, I have an Apple Watch. Why would you not use Apple Music? <laughs> I'm so glad to hear you say this because I also use Apple Music, but I have a lot of weird like geriatric shame around it because so few people <laughs> use Apple Music no. that I'm like, well, there must be something wrong with me that I've made this choice. No, Greta, I'm I whenever someone sends me a link to something on Spotify, I'm like, who do you think I am? Like this is irrelevant. <laughs> I, I always feel I always feel like a modicum of guilt that I don't list, use title because um, I feel like I'm supposed to support black business. Um, but like. Title, I've I've tried it like two or three different times over the years. The user interface was bad, but it's been a couple of years, so I'm almost back in cycle to try it again. <laughs> but similarly to Travel, I'm like a MacBook, iPhone, iPad, you know, Apple TV, and I'm going to use Spotify? Like, come on, who are we talking about here? <laughs> Why do you think people feel so compelled to, you know, like screenshot all the, the data about their listening habits and, and tweet about it? I think they want to show the world like, oh, these are my tastes, especially when it's like, you know, when they're when they're black artists on there or like really popular artists. I feel like the one mm. everyone's been bragging about this year is um, the little high school musical, the musical, the series girl. Um, what's her name, Jared? Okay. Olivia okay. Rodrigo or something. So this is really what's happening here for those of you that don't understand. <laughs> Travel is a huge fan <laughs> of High School Musical, the musical, the series, um, and has turned me on to High School Musical, the musical, the series. Um, I have not watched season two of High School Musical, the musical, the series, but I just love saying High School Musical, the musical, the series so much that... <laughs> I just always love saying High School Musical, the musical, the series. Um, Travel, carry on about High School Musical, the musical, the series. Y'all see what I have to deal with? Do you see what I have to deal with on Fanti? Okay. 
Okay, so yes, <laughs> Olivia Rodrigo. <laughs> yes, and I feel like everybody's been bragging about listening to her music because she's like the hot new artist this year. Um, and then obviously like a, a little Nas X, a Doja Cat, mm. or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but I keep telling people that even if I were listening to Spotify, my top played artist would probably still be Fantasia. So like you would see that I'm still somebody's you know 42 year old auntie <laughs> in terms of my music <laughs> habits, and I'm actually happy to not show that with the world. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Well, I'm glad you've disclosed it on this podcast then. <laughs> what about you, Jarrett? What do you think you've listened to most this year? Um, I would say that I always make a playlist every year of like of the songs that I love. And like, it's just completely all mm. over the place. Right. Like, I yeah. I really enjoyed Lil Nas X this year. Um, I've really enjoyed um, CC Winans has a new album. Um, I'm just like all over the place. So I don't know what they would be telling me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So another story that caught our attention this week was uh, from the New York Times. It was an article about a group of 61 people who went to a pub in Yorkshire in England on Friday night to see an Oasis cover band, and they ended up snowed in all weekend. Mm -hmm. Uh, The band was called Noasis, which I think is a really important detail to mention. Um, (laughs) I don't I was like, partly I was conflicted about this story because on one hand, I think it could be very charming and cute and that's kind of how it was written was like oh this funny weird time but like i think there is another version of this that's like is this a living nightmare what do you think Jarrett? well i think the band being called noasis is also an omen right like they (laughs) let you know what this was going to be before you even showed up I'm not claustrophobic, but I remember seeing this meme of, like, someone who had opened their front door and they had been snowed in. And, like, the entire door frame was covered in snow with the imprint of the door on it. (laughs) And you're like, that "Uh -uh." horrified me. And I'm not a claustrophobic person, right? So, like, being in a pub with a bunch of people, I mean, I guess there's a lot of good alcohol. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, the snacks are probably good. I saw some air mattresses, you know. Why were there air mattresses? What? Is anyone asking those follow-up questions about, I'm like... I'm picturing, like, an old-school sort of rural British place where, like, you know, the, the owners live upstairs, essentially, you know? Right. And, yeah, they happened to have a number of air mattresses available, apparently. <laughs> this reminds me of... I don't know if y'all have seen the, um, the musical Come From Away. Mm-mm. No? Okay, so Come From Away, which you can watch a, a, a recorded version on Apple TV. Um, it is this musical about um, what happened to all of the flights that were in the air during the oh, September right. 11th attacks. Mm. And 38 planes were grounded in this city called Gander in Newfoundland, Canada. And the the musical makes it seem as if, you know, all these people started, you know, building these relationships. People got married mm-hmm. out of it. And this story reminds Reminds me of that where the folks involved are like it was a little traumatic at first but like we brought it all together whereas for me i feel like i would be like nah honey y'all gotta get me out right now i don't know these people don't want to know these people why am i here in the first place um can i just can i just do a quick little moment here i know that people that are listening are thinking this so i just need to address it um, we talked about Travel being country. Um, the pronunciation <laughs> of Newfoundland, adorable. <laughs> I, I've never heard Newfoundland before. No, oh, but no, we can't. Um, wow. I, I, <laughs> okay, okay, well, if you had to be stuck in a pub with a cover band for three days, 
what cover band would you want to be stuck with? Travel, what do you think? Ooh. So I won't say my obvious answer, which is Fantasia, but <laughs> I will say I'm very into this moment we have right now where Adele's music is being like reinterpreted or like mashed up with Meg the Stallion's music online right now. Mm. So I would mm-hmm. love to see kind of like an urban Adele cover band, you know? Can I give you a better answer for you? Uh-oh. <laughs> Uh-oh. No, no, no. I I think the better answer for Travel would be being stuck in a like in a place like this with like Fantasia impersonating drag queens. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't that be amazing? I would live and I would love. That would be amazing. <laughs> what about you, Jarrett? I would probably say like Beyonce impersonators. The beehive has entered the chat. <laughs> yes. Like I want some I want like the range of Beyonce impersonators. Like give me Crazy in Love Beyonce. Give mm. me four Beyonce. Give me self-titled <laughs> Beyonce. I want the range. I feel like that's a big band. Like they're they're showing up with a bunch of stuff. Right. You know? <laughs> oh, there's a there's a lot of wigs, let me tell you. A lot of hair <laughs> happening. <laughs> Jarrett, Travel, thank you both so much for coming on. This was too much fun. Absolutely. Thank you for having us. Thanks for having us. Why, yes, this is indeed Noasis that you are hearing right now. In just a minute, Grace Bonney talks about her gorgeous new book, Collective Wisdom. Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max, and listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. One of my favorite guests ever on the show is Grace Bonney. We've had her on twice before. She was the mind behind the interior design and creativity website, Design Sponge. She also wrote a book called In the Company of Women, which is a gorgeous collection of wisdom from creatives and makers and business owners and generally badass ladies. Her new book is called Collective Wisdom, Lessons, Inspiration, and Advice from Women Over 50. Grace, welcome back to Nerdette. Hi, I'm so happy to be here. It's always so fun to talk to you. Why Women Over 50? Let's start there. Mm, uh, Two things. So the book was very much inspired by a friendship I had uh, with a woman named Georgine that I met volunteering who was in her 90s. Mm. And that friendship like completely changed the way I look at so many things in the world. And so I wanted to create something that celebrated not only women like Georgine, but how important it is for women of all ages to have friendships that span multi-generations, because I think those are so, so crucial. There's something about, you know, focusing on women who are older that in a lot of ways boils down to like a celebration of survival. 
Oh, yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, perseverance and creativity and uh, just kind of adaptation are just necessary parts of getting older. I think we celebrate them in business, particularly like when white men do them, but we don't really, <laughs> we don't, we don't acknowledge that um, with a lot of other people, um, especially women of, of all identities. So that was something I really wanted to look at and also to just point it out as like a normal part of life. Hmm. So you're not 50 yet, right? No, I turned 40 this year. So how much did that like hitting that milestone kind of make you reframe your own life and thinking about wanting to talk to other people? You know, it's funny. I've felt both too young and too old so many times this year. And it, I'm really glad that this birthday happened while working on this project because I really like at the beginning of the project, I thought, oh, no, like I'm not the right person to do this. What have I set up? It's it's not appropriate for me to ask these questions. I can't even understand their life perspective. And then in so many other parts of my life, mainly just working online and going back to school, like I am one of the older people in hmm. those kind of communities. So I feel very much in between right now. And I think that's a very interesting place to be and a place to be really curious because I think a lot of ageism is in both directions is still bumping up against me. Like I, I definitely feel like people treat me like a grown up in a way that I'm not entirely comfortable with in hmm. my grad school classes. And then when speaking with women in their 80s and 90s, I feel like a total kid. So it's just a really interesting place to kind of look at the way the world treats you and then how in turn you actually treat yourself. I wonder if that means you're in exactly the right place, though, you know? Yeah. I mean, man, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> so can you tell us about a couple of the ladies? Oh, yeah. My pleasure. I keep going back to Betty Reed Soskin, um, <sighs> and yeah. who's just such an incredible human. But I think not for the reasons that everyone is so excited about usually. Hmm. Like, I mean, I think it's incredible what she's done um, as a national park ranger and working with the Rosie the Riveter Park. But the thing that really stood out to me in the interview I got to do with her alongside of her daughter uh, was very much just the way that she she remembered things that had nothing to do with notoriety and the things that were most important to her were things that connected to what she loved as a kid. And she mm. loves to sing and she got to sing um, at kind of like the, with the symphony and at the performance space she grew up going to in the Bay area in California. And when I asked her what stood out most to her life, her daughter was like, wait, how are you not talking about, you know, meeting with president Obama and being honored by him? And she was like, <laughs> Oh yeah, that was nice too. Um, <laughs> but you know, getting to sing on stage was such a, a lifelong dream fulfilled. And I think, you know, no matter what age you are, the things that kind of stick to you as your core, like the things that mean the most to you, those don't necessarily change over time. And I think yeah. as you get older, it's it's really nice to see that the little things are still what's most important. Yeah, I mean, I kind of love that because partly it means that the older you get, the easier it is to say fuck it to some of that bullshit. <laughs> yeah, know? I mean, I frankly, I, w I went into this book being like, please teach me how to care less um, about <laughs> what other people think. And that's not, you know, that's not everybody's experience. It's not. Right. I, I think yeah. that I was both saddened, but also like it was a really it was a really important moment for me to be like, there is no magic age where everything just gets easier. That's just not a, a thing that happens. And I think mm -hmm. so often when I get the privilege of interviewing large amounts of people from very different groups, I'm reminded that there's just no one way to do something. There's just lots of different ways. And I think the key is to surround yourself with people who remind you that you are enough exactly as you are. Yeah. yeah. 
So I'm 36. I'm not like an old person by any means, but I I still feel like a 20 year old in so many ways. Like it's Mm -hmm. the same brain that's been with me this whole time, you know, and I think you kind of said something to this point earlier, like. I don't know. I think it's such an interesting sort of contradiction between like, yes, I'm the same person I've always been. However, like, no, I am learning and growing a lot throughout this whole weird thing that is life. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think I think we are different, but we don't lose those people who we were before. And that's there was a kind of a visual a visualization of that concept that Mab said in the interview in the book that I really loved, where she talked about sitting down um, at dinner with all of the past versions of herself. We actually reached out to Mab Abagolizadeh. Uh, she's an Iranian filmmaker and journalist and women's rights activist. And she just had such beautiful things to say about her relationship with her past selves. Different Mabubes, they are around table. They fight with each other. They talk with each other. But in the end, I am a chairwoman and I am running this table and I am making a decision. That really stuck with me because I think I had felt a lot of shame and embarrassment about previous versions of myself Mm -hmm. and making decisions I wasn't proud of now. Like, yeah, 22-year-old Greta was pretty sloppy. (laughs) Same, exactly. 23-year-old Grace. Ooh, a lot of problems. But it was nice that she was like, no, 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 we have to hold on to those versions of ourselves. Like, they matter. They did the best they could at the time. And they help you stay in this place of appreciation for who you are now and what you are no longer afraid of. Mm Mm-hmm. You asked some really gorgeous questions, things about self-acceptance. There were a lot of questions around, you know, fears and pride and power. And I think you get to a both a lot of strength and a lot of vulnerability with those questions, which I just really loved. And I don't know, there's something too that, like, I don't know, to just see like the words in, on the page saying, when do you feel you're most powerful? Like, mm. I, I just feel like we're so often conditioned not to talk about those things that mm-hmm. it was just like it's just such a pleasure you know yeah we we do not ask older women about empowerment it, it is something that is firmly like women in their 20s 30s maybe 40s and mm. and a lot of women kind of bristled at that question and really like oh I, and thought of power as kind of a negative thing and it had really hmm. just not great experiences with that and so i changed the wording of that question halfway through the book to when do you feel empowered and it still was kind of a tricky thing so that to me was an interesting learning moment of just ah like i am very lucky to be of a generation of people for whom like reclaiming power feels like a good thing that is surprising did they respond similarly to the what are you most proud of about yourself question or do you did you find that that came easier I think that came more easily to people. Um, although I did, it, it again, sometimes broke down or around generational lines related to being a parent and people who felt like that was the answer they had to give. And mm. then I, I really appreciated a lot of women said, you know, that is the thing I think people will expect me to say. But what I'm actually proud of is X, Y, Z, in addition to being proud of their children, of course. But it was it was a nice moment, I think, for people to sit down and be reflective of how they actually felt, because I, I don't think we ask older women those questions outside of how can you give me advice that is useful for me as a young person. And I did not want this book to be like, how do we just glean all this information and not actually give you a chance to talk about your, your own future? So you're doing grad school right now to become a therapist, right? I am. Yeah. That's amazing. Does that feel like a complete 180 for you? You know, it did at first, and I, it was the first time in my life I felt imposter syndrome. Like I thought, I'm, I'm not qualified to to do this. What Grace. what do I what do I have to bring to the table? And I'm really grateful that once I got into it, I understood like the most valuable tool you can bring to the therapy room is just life experience, and I have a lot of that, and so that was helpful. Um, 
but yeah, it's it's been so fun to see how this thread of what I learned at Design Sponge, how easily that applied to therapy, which is just basically being curious mm-hmm. about other people and learning how to be a present listener. And I, I realized when I closed Design Sponge, the thing, the only thing I knew clearly was that I wanted to talk less and listen more. Is there something that you maybe learned or just started thinking about more while working on this project that you find yourself sort of carrying with you all the time now in a like really good, interesting, exciting way? Yeah, I really do, which is that this book changed my definition of success. I think my definition used to be much bigger. And I think my definition of success has shrunken down to this very small place that feels so meaningful right now, where to me, success happens between two people in a room. And if you can build a connection, that creates safety. And if that doesn't happen, then the numbers mean nothing to me anymore. And I think I've I have been incredibly privileged to you know have a community of people that I could speak to that was quite large in number. But realizing how meaningful, like internally, it can be to connect with someone, just, just one person, just alone. Like that, yeah. that is so valuable to me right now. Grace, that's so funny because I wanted to ask you about your question, what does success look like? Because that was something Mm. (laughs) from In the Company of Women that I loved so much that like I've started using it in interviews. Mm, I'm so glad. I I mean, I just think it's such a fascinating way to get a sense of where someone is at in their trajectory, whatever that may look like, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So it's just funny that you say that because it's literally my next question is like, so what does success look like for you now? <laughs> I'm, so, I'm so glad. I think it's an important thing to think about, not because success is like the end all be all of anything. But I do think, like you said, it's a marker of kind of what's important for somebody right now. And there's no right or wrong answer. Like there's nothing yeah. wrong with success being much bigger than how I'm feeling it right now. But I think it's important to kind of unhinge it from the jaws of like capitalism and (laughs) large numbers and the need to have more, more, more. Because I just think, you know, I've spoken with all these women who are, you know, over a hundred at this point um, in age. And, you know, those are not people looking for numbers. Those are people looking for people who actually show up, people who will be with you in moments when things are scary. And those things are really valuable. And I think making this book in the pandemic was a challenge, but it also kind of really cast this shadow that was like, hey, let's really focus on things that are important. Talking to you is just always so enlightening and lovely. And I'm just really excited that you're going on a new journey, you know? (laughs) Thank you. It's you know, it's scary, but it's also it's really fun and I got a kitten and that helps. <laughs> <laughs> After talking with Grace Bonnie about her book Collective Wisdom, we couldn't help but feel the need to hear from some of the women themselves. Norma Cantu is a professor at Trinity College in San Antonio, and she does a lot of other awesome stuff too. I'm also a folklorist currently the president of the American Folklore Society. So I also work with culture and traditions, mostly about the border. And I have a couple of novels, collection of poetry, essays. I mean, I've done it my whole life. I guess it must be rewarding. Otherwise, I wouldn't be doing it. (laughs) We asked her to share her reflections on what aging means to her. I was just telling somebody the other day, I really think I'm in my 30s. <laughs> Although I know chronologically I'm 74, I really feel like when I was in my 30s. 
of course, my body for one has changed, but also my ways of being in the world, I would think. I'm not as anxious about what happens. I just let it happen. And uh, 74 to me means, you know, I'm in the, what would be called in Spanish, la tercera edad. I mean, it is getting towards the end of life and I'm very aware of that in terms of having friends around me who have passed. But at the same time, I'm very blessed and feel very blessed to have fulfilled the mission that I'm on, <laughs> on this earth. You know, I have a lot of ideas and I try them. And if on the third try it hasn't happened, I let it go. Three times test, I call it. <laughs> I tried three times to learn how to play the guitar, and I never did. Uh, it was my fault, actually, because I wouldn't practice. But I've given up on it. I'm never going to, I have a guitar, <laughs> but I'm never going to be, you know, John Baez playing. <laughs> you can try to change the world, but it doesn't matter whether you actually change the world. What matters is that you try. And so in, in a way, the three-time test for me is that. I try, I give it my all. If it doesn't happen, okay, it wasn't meant to be, and I move on. I also hope that at some point, and I, I'm already there in a way, I can look back and say, yeah, that's, that was well done. You did it, and it, it worked. So I started being politically active in my 20s, Unfortunately, the struggle continues. It seems to me that it's like a cycle, like a pendulum swings back and forth. And I have been lucky to have witnessed it, but also to have some kind of impact in how that pendulum swings. And so I'm hoping that I will continue to do that. that's it for this week thank you so much for listening we will be back next week with a friday episode in the meantime you can sign up for our newsletter it is full of recipes and links to books and tv shows and articles and it comes out every friday morning you can get that at wbez.org slash af the show is produced by me and anna bauman our executive producer is brendan banazak have an excellent weekend Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max, And listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts.